Before we get into the show, a little favour to ask. If you're enjoying listening, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying watching, please like, subscribe and share on YouTube as it helps us reach more people. Today, we're going to be joined by a guest who just a few years ago didn't like running at all. Now he runs ultra marathons as part of his job, including running the entire length of the London Underground, which in case you're wondering is 570 kilometres. Now, Steph and I have both done a fair bit of run commuting to and from the office in our time, but Johnny Davis really did take it to a whole new level. In just a few moments, we're going to be hearing all about Johnny's amazing run the line adventure, how he came up with that idea, his training for it, and what keeps him going. You know what? I really don't miss run commuting, though, across London every single day. I mean, working from home has definitely been a game changer. Yeah. Oh, my God. Same. Just the weaving in and out of people used to drive me nuts. I can't wait to hear more, though, because he must know the tube line so well. But before we get into that, how has your week been? My week's been good. It's um, it's actually been my last week of training in the UK because next week I'm off to America oh. for six weeks. I mean, that's so exciting, but it's going to be really weird because I feel like the last few weeks we've seen each other probably day. 90% of days. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I am. I'm really excited for it. I'm also, I can't believe I go, I go on Tuesday. So it's, I mean, when this comes out, it will be... I'll be leaving the next day, which is slightly terrifying. Um, But yeah, I am really excited for it. Slightly apprehensive about going to altitude for so long, because I've never done that before. Mm. And just being away from home, because, you know, I I do love home. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss Battersea Park, training with Ben and of course running with Willow. But it's an incredible opportunity, place to go. Yeah. And yeah, altitude will be, will be good for me. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, which actually brings, I've got a cool altitude fact I want to share today. So I learned yesterday that obviously, so when you go to altitude for the benefit of our listeners, um, you, you obviously go there to get fitter and you do that by boosting your red blood cell count because you have less oxygen. So you're basically, your body's working harder, but it does mean that when you're running, you're, you you run slower, so all of you your paces are slower than at sea level. Anyway, that's what that's what I thought. Except for sprinting and jumping, you run so sprinters run faster at altitude, what? and jumpers jump higher. What? Why? I I don't quite know. <laughs> we didn't quite get to the bottom. I, of I it. thought you were giving us a well. Okay, that is a fact, but I need the why. <laughs> So can you come back with the answer? I'll Google it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll come back to this. But it just blew my mind. I was like, how does does that work? Okay, I'm just trying to be scientific here. When you sprint, it's it's anaerobic as well. Yeah. So you're not, you know, like in terms of using oxygen, you don't use it as a source. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's also something to do with the wind resistance and this the air's thinner so there's less of it to move through but any um times any sprint times that are at altitude technically don't count yeah because they're fast and then jumpers jump higher which also blew my mind interesting well thanks Um, for sharing that because i would never have guessed that i know i'm doing right i actually have so this fact came from 
Morgan Lake, who is holds the British record for high jump. And I was yesterday I was at a photo shoot for Puma, which fun part of my job actually. I quite enjoy them. Um but there was there was me, um Lena Nielsen, who is a four hundred meter hurdler. Yeah. Um for Great Britain and Morgan Lake high jumper. So I was I am fascinated by other people's training but specifically in other disciplines because Mm -hmm. it is so different I feel like track and field is a completely different sport people train completely differently and honestly it blows my mind so I was asking them all about their training and what they do and some of the things they said I was just it was just fascinating so Lena um her training she she was talking about how she does tempo 200s <laughs> which in itself i was like tempo 200s how how does that work because those two things don't go in yeah. the same sentence what is it like a more of a stride where you're not i guess full out well it's the same i guess it's the same as our tempo in that it's threshold effort that you but- can kind of carry on a bit longer after the end if you needed to exactly yeah but get this so i was like right okay what what are we talking here what is this tempo pace <laughs> and she was just like very casually you know like 26 27 <laughs> I was like, i'm sorry what 26 27 for a tempo yeah. 200 i'll never run that time ever for i genuinely if i had a week of rest yeah. and was told to go and run an all-out 200 i would not get close no it that is, is oh that's so impressive. I do not understand how <laughs> the leg turnover the everything just yeah. how does the body Power. do that and then Morgan can jump her, so her PB which is the British record is one meter 99 and then we were just looking around and I was like hang on like that door so normal door height like this one we've got in the studio I would guess that's about two meters ish yeah it's just so if you're if listeners if you're next to a door frame just go and stand under it and then imagine just launching your body and not touching it over that (laughs) yeah i think i'd like struggle to jump with my arm raised and like touch the top yeah maybe just but yeah like bending your back over the top of that is just absolutely absolutely crazy yeah and she does this in I was like, well, you must wear carbon shoes, right? Because they give you propulsion. She was like, no, you just wear... She has different spikes to sprinting spikes. Again, another fact, I did not know there was more than one spike. Mm. Um, but the jumping spikes are different, but they don't have carbon in or any real cushioning. Okay. So I would have thought you would want carbon plates, yeah, the biggest platform you can have, Some all spring. the cushioning, but apparently not. Mm. So I just... I mean, I was thinking about when we were in the gym the other day with Aiden and doing our plyometrics. <laughs> and my my pogo hops, honestly, in my head, I was going like 10 times higher. Yeah. But I probably got about, I would, I mean, do you think I got a foot off the ground maybe? I think you got a foot off the ground, but it was quite funny looking at the video back. Yeah. But one day we'll do it. It wasn't a, great. We'll, we'll measure it properly and see how high we can jump. Yeah. Little competition. I'm not a natural. It wasn't great. And then I just thought... That's why we do the plyometrics. You'll get better. 
I think two meters is going to be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> you can dream. Um, well, thanks for coming with those facts. I also have a fact to share that I learned this week. Go on. Which is maybe not as educational, but I learned that Miss Rose Harvey is very, very, very scared of worms. <laughs> And I th- I found yeah. that a really interesting fact because I don't think I've met anyone that's so scared of worms. I, I re- it's real it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. And you know what I so today I went down to uh I had some three hundreds, <laughs> actually kind of tempo three hundreds but nowhere near mm-hmm. twenty six pace. Um and obviously it's been raining quite a lot as a lot of our listeners will know who are here in the UK. Um and the track. It, like the worms had obviously gone onto the track and then they all just stay there mm-hmm. and kind of dead. And honestly, I got there and I was like, oh God, I'm going to have but to run through this. It was terrifying. I just had to not look. Do you know what it stems from though? Because they didn't move very fast. Like I can understand the fear of spiders and stuff because they're a bit more unpredictable and crawly, but worms are just kind of there. I know, but it's just the fact that they're just all, oh God, they're... <laughs> They're just this thing and they don't really have like a body or legs. It's all about slugs. Slugs aren't so bad because... They're the same but bigger, kind of. But you know, so when I was at school, I... There was this boy who bullied me and basically ran up to me and got... Like shoved me into a corner and then shoved a worm in my face. And ever since I've basically had trauma. Oh, from it that is, i'm terrified oh. so yeah that is real trauma yeah okay. lifelong trauma from worms it's not a great one being someone who does a lot outside but okay. oh yeah okay right shall we speak to johnny let's crack on with the show thanks for joining me rose harvey and me steph mccall for five miles easy the podcast where we go behind the scenes on the highs lows and learnings of our running journeys and bring you conversations to inspire, motivate and get you one step closer to your running goals. So let's lace up for Five, five Miles Easy. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us for Five Miles Easy today. Our first question, which we ask all our listeners, is what's your why when it comes to running? Thank you very much for having me here. Um, great question. For me, it is the pursuit of something that's almost unattainable. Now, with running, there's a no, there is no finish line, pardon the pun. So for me, it's the case of you're always working towards something you can never often have. And that for me is the, the why. It's the constant state of getting towards the thing. The thing is never the thing. It's always the getting towards it. For me, that is the exciting part is the factor of, you know, going through a state of change from going from point A to point B in your own personal element, in distance, in every aspect to it. And for me, that's such a exciting prospect to sort of visit every time you step outdoors. Um, yeah. So there. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And so it's really the process that you love. Love the and process. The training. Love the process. Love the training. Love the from when you start a block to when you finish the block. Not only where your body's at, where your mind's at, the things you've learned, the complete state of change you go through when you push through. Because every block is different. Every block has its own challenges and benefits. That for me is what I love. Yeah. As soon as the, as soon as the event's over, I mean, the events obviously are fun. They're they're in their unique way. But for me, the most pleasure is the quiet time of training when. No one's around, no one's watching. Yeah. You're just doing it again and again, ticking off each session, going through it. For me, that's that's the best part. Yeah, it's such a reflection of life as well, like just appreciating the journey because if you're always just hoping for like 
the next goal and that's when it's going to like give you the happiness it's not really it's just it's all about that journey isn't it not just in running absolutely because i think it's i think we get a lot of people these days especially new people into running think that the marathon or the half marathon or the event they're going towards is going to be the thing Mm. and it very rarely is often that's people to work post-race blues because they build this this thing up that's going to be so great and whatnot and actually the real benefit is who you are who you become in order to do the thing it reminds me of like just after you did Chicago and you everyone was like oh my god Rose has run this incredible time but then like a day later you were like I'm not over it but you're like yeah oh, the excitement doesn't last like what's next 100% <laughs> and I think exactly as you say I was actually more proud of the training block mm-hmm. and you know the result was great and I was really happy with the result because it because it showed that the training block was good but it's yep. going through that process and also, I mean, when you're, you know, when you're training for a marathon, when you're training for, well, any event really, but especially the endurance events, you've got to enjoy the process because mm-hmm. it's 99% of it. 100%. And if you don't yeah. love the training, it's going to be so hard to get out and do those miles and those big sessions. I'm sure you can appreciate having done some oh. enormous, <laughs> enormous training blocks and so many miles. Absolutely. No, it is a part of that process. You've got to enjoy it. And I think that's where a lot of people get bogged up is going like, you know, focusing too much on on the end result, focusing too much on the destination, rather than again, that process is what you're gonna spend so much of your time doing. You know, that's where it dictates the rest of your schedule for the week. It dictates mm-hmm. everything. Now, I plan my life around my training, around what I'm doing, my schedule board in my room, where I put everything on. Like it's the my life is around the training sessions. When I need to do mm-hmm. them, what's, what is each one? Um, and that's for me is, is the special part, yeah. you know? And so many of the listeners will know you from the Run the Line challenge that you did, which was uh, 355 miles covering every London tube line across 11 days. So one line a day. Mm-hmm. What's that in kilometers for those that work? It's uh, 572 kilometers. Okay. Oh, God, it's just <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, and to cover such a distance, you might assume that you've been running for years and years and years but that's not necessarily the case is it so, no not at all I mean I do come from a sporting background I think it's mm-hmm. quite important to mention that because a lot of people are like oh you need to run it's like well yeah but like I ran through sport for a long period of time granted mm-hmm. not distance running yeah you know rugby was always my sport growing up um actually running itself I think the most I'd ran growing uh, the old 5k here and there but it's something I never really got much out of again being on the bigger side of things when I was younger most people who were good at running were a lot faster than me. And I was like, oh, don't want to do this. Um, so for me, rugby and a lot of strength training components around, that was a part I enjoyed. And actually running was the thing about rugby I disliked the most. It was a thing I, I actually, I wouldn't say like, yeah, no, go on, I'd say I feared it. it was, I think, you know, you fear what you're not good at. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the case of getting embarrassed there. And again, I was around, my playing weight was about 112 kilos. So that was what I was running around the pitch at, which is a lot of weight to move, especially when you turn to distance running. Um, so yeah, that was my sort of starting point many years ago. It was about four or five years ago I started going in towards, okay, like let's see what it looks like when I go 5K, 10K and sort of taking it from there really. And then sort of addressing the thing I don't like or I think is the hardest thing. And I think that's in itself a unique challenge because you're then doing something again that you find difficult mm. and then progressing at that. I think it's a wonderful metaphor for a lot of things in life. You know, there's a lot of things we all find difficult. And again, trying to t- tackle them head on and then become somewhat competent at it over a period of time is a nice feeling it's a great feeling of accomplishment to be able to take something that you used to be so negative have such a negative emotional feeling towards i think especially mm-hmm. with a lot of people there's a bit a lot of people from a sporting background running was always the punishment part mm-hmm. you know especially in rugby if you like 
drop a ball, go run, you shuttle sprints, you know, whatever it is, could be missed tackle, go run, post and back. And it's like, everything's done at max effort. And that's like, obviously I learned pretty fast on, you don't run very often at max effort when you're doing distance running. So I think that's, there's, there's almost like this fear associated with running, or it's like a running trauma, I can call mm. it, where people have that association with running in like being yelled at and it's a punishment. And that's how it's framed in their mind of like running is a punishment rather than take your time with it, you know, go through the process of it all there. Yeah. But you, people so used to have a coach watching them blowing a whistle being like, run faster. <laughs> and that was for me, so. Yeah, so what, what was it that got you hooked on it? What shifted your mindset to going from fearing running to loving it? I was on a work trip to Canada, um, God, back in 2019, I think. Um, weather was awful, flight was terrible. I was so jet lagged, a little bit hungover. And I, it was a case of, I'd read a few different books over the previous few weeks, you know, a variety of different, I think running was always this thing in my mind that I was like, why can I not be good at it? I don't understand this. And like anything, you're not good at it because you didn't practice it. And mm-hmm. um, I decided like, right, I'm gonna bring a pair of running shoes, I'm gonna get to Canada, because it's beautiful out there. I'm going to try and run. And I ran a 10K around Stanley Park. I'm not going to lie, like it was the most painful thing I've ever done at the time. And I was like, that wasn't too bad. It was painful, but it was beautiful. I was in a really nice environment for it as well. I was like by the seawall. It's yeah. really crisp winter weather there. I was bit, there in the summer. It's yeah. amazing. It's gorgeous. So I was like, yeah. it's not a bad place to like first start getting into it. I was like, okay, like I didn't die from doing this. I really enjoyed it. And it was more like a mental clarity sort of thing. When I'm in the gym lifting weights, when I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm, there, I'm, I'm having fun. It's like one of those things for me, it's never, it's always come quite easy. So for me, it's not like a go clear the mind. Like I'll go with mates, I hang out with people. Like it's it's social, the gym. Running was this wonderful thing I could do on my own and just clear the mind. And that's kind of how I got into it. I was like, it wasn't, it's was less the physical side of things. It's much more yeah. the, oh, like I really like this hour of peace. I've just developed for myself where I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not being distracted by anything or anyone. I'm just look at what's going on. Yeah. And yeah, and then did it again the next day and a few more times when I was there and I got back and I was like, all right, like I didn't die, legs didn't fall off, like I'm still here. Um, I didn't lose like half my body mass doing it either as well. And so I was like, okay, this is this is cool. Like let's let's keep trying this. And then obviously COVID happened, mm. so there was no races, events, anything, which meant there was no pressure to do anything with it. And I think, especially in this era of social media, people running marathons, ultra marathons, all these different things going on, there's a pressure with people to get into running to go and compete at something or go and set a time here. So for me, for the first two years, I didn't. I didn't know what like what the I didn't know what a world major was. I knew none of this stuff because it wasn't yeah. being talked about in, in in public discourse. So for me, it was a case of like oh like you know let's just see how far I can go. Let's see what I enjoy doing. And let's just there was no pressure of having to do anything with it. It was just a case of enjoying the process, enjoying it through. I think that's why a lot of people got into running through COVID because there was no case of like oh you should go and do this or what's what race you're training for because no one was training for a race. So yeah, it was yeah. until the back end, like as we came through COVID, people were like oh like you're gonna run a marathon. I was like uh i don't know like i just love that the benchmark for getting back out there was i didn't die so i can go and do it again yeah give it a go that's a great mindset (laughs) so what was it that you obviously went on to do some you signed up for an ultra pretty quickly and have done so many challenges since but what is this about those big challenges and the big distances that appeals to you i think it's there's an element with it that has to scare you and I think when I first ran a half, I remember the first time I ever ran a half marathon, I did it because in my mind, I was like, that seems to quite a scary distance because it's over anything I've ever ran before and it's stepping into the unknown. Mm. And because it's scary and because it's an unknown, that's why I wanted to do it. It's like, let's see how I react when I'm in that situation. Let's see where, let's see where I go to. Let's see where my head goes to. And people talk about running as a journey of self-discovery. I think when you set 
lofty goals or ambitious goals into places that you're really unsure of and you're uncertain of and you ultimately having to take a little leap of faith with it to work out who who am I going to be in that situation that for me is sort of the the real exciting part of it you know it's fear is a spice of life with these things and that's kind of like the element that I'm like all right let's 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 go into it um again you can't do these things very often because they take a lot of effort time resources to, to to get into these things so i think it started off with me was half marathon was scary so let's do that did that i was like okay cool then all of a sudden i'm just running that distance quite normally and then it's like okay eventually ran run a marathon just just for the sake of going the distance see what it was like and then i was like okay still here didn't die um then it was like okay let's actually do an event so my first actual formal like event marathon was only last year wow like i just I, I was pretty happy with running i was i was clocking up some decent average miles per week but like yeah. a friend of mine was he'd never ran a marathonist before he's like hey do you want to sign up for the madrid marathon with me i was like you know what go on then let's do it and he actually lived in spain and we both trained for it separately week before he gets really ill and i'm like oh i mean i've trained for it so i might as well go over there and i just ran it like on my own didn't have any friends over there or anything just like i was like okay let's just go like do this so things like going to like the convention center beforehand to collect your big number didn't know how any of that works so I literally was just like asking ask people in Spanish, like, well, how does this work? So that was quite a nice experience to go through because the whole time I've been doing this running, there's been no events on, there's been no races. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite nice to be able to go, oh, like, this is what a marathon's about. Like being in a starting pen, like I'd never been to a race before. Like <laughs> yeah. I'd never been, I've seen, I've seen people run the London Marathon, I've been watching it, but like the whole process of day before, get your bib number, all this kind of stuff was such a new, wonderful thing. The excitement of the day, the amount of people who are there, the energy as you arrive, yeah. was such a wonderful special thing i was like oh wow like this is cool and then obviously that dissipates pretty quickly when you're 30k in and you know haven't, haven't <laughs> yeah. fueled properly whatsoever and the sun's coming out your life <laughs> yeah i was like yeah there was definitely um reality hit pretty hard that day but it was yeah. still again it, it's uh, all part of you know a journey of, of of trying these things and and seeing what you enjoy and whatnot and you know for me that was real special to then go through and i was like okay that was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And yes, I was scared to do it as an event on a stage and there's people cheering. It's really fun. But for me, I really, the things I liked about that marathon the most is when I wasn't around people, when I was just with my own thoughts again, again, putting yourself into deep waters and saying, okay, what, who, how am I going to react when things are starting to hurt? Yeah. When things are starting to become challenging, um, who comes out then? Yeah. Realizing how strong you really are. So then how did, from a marathon last year, your first ever marathon, well, proper marathon last proper year, mar- yeah, yeah. to then deciding to challenge yourself to run the entire length of the London Underground. How did you get the idea to do that? There was a quite a big jump. There was, there was a bit in between, don't worry. So I ran a <laughs> yeah. basically, was like, I was like, okay, marathon didn't scare me. So then I just yeah. started like, I, I went through this period where I just run a 50K every weekend just to like kind of see what that was like and then just try and get used to running above a marathon distance so they wouldn't set scale anymore then ran the 10th path 100k okay. wanted to give that a little blast because it's the closest it starts around the corner a little blast it starts in putney <laughs> which is the closest starting point for any race to where i live in balham so convenient highly convenient we're <laughs> like, gonna run 100k do it on your doorstep um and it was after that i was like okay that was a big jump in distance i was like i felt great doing it i really enjoyed it there was difficult moments there was times i was like i feel awful the emotions are up and down the whole day and yet you sort of keep going forward and you keep moving through and you, mm. you know, again, you, you come up, come at the other side. And I was, after that, I was like, okay, I, next year I want to do something big. Mm. And I was like, if I can do hundred K in a day, I'm not sure how much this is. This is definitely like boy maths here. Like, yeah, run hundred K in a day, and do 572 <laughs> there. So um, that's kind of where it came. Originally I was like, let's do it. <laughs> it was, I saw a TikTok of people walking the Victoria line. 
Like, I'll come into Walk the Victoria line. They'll like, take like six hours. Today. I was like, all right, let's see how quickly we can run this in. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's also a really cool way to see London because, again, you start up in north, like basically like north of Hackney area, go the way through central. So you're going from like right far out through the zones. Then it gets really busy and you go through some pretty cool spots and you go back out to Brixton again. I was like, that's quite a cool way of doing it. Mm. And blindly I went, I wonder what it'd be like to run them all back to back. And so I just, I just kind of said to myself there and then like, that'll do it. The Victoria line's like 24K, so it's not too crazy. I didn't realise how long some of the tube lines were. Yeah, some mm. of them go way out to, way out of London, don't they? Yeah, so like, you know, look, there's like the Central Line and the Metropolitan Line both go out past the M25. So mm. like, I was like, oh, I didn't obviously know this at the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's definitely a bit of naivety in there and, you know, being a little bit delusional helped. Um, so I was like, okay, mapped it. I, I looked at the total distance of track thinking that to run station station would be more or less the same i think it's about 360 kilometers of track distance obviously you're not running on the track and the underground you're running above ground station to station um but when i saw that distance i was like yeah that sounds doable like cool like i originally was going to say maybe do it in a week or something and then when i actually mapped it on strava like station to station to station i thought i made a mistake said 572k and i was like there's no way and no, it was, by that point, I already said to myself I was going to do it. So yeah. I was like, all right. You've mentally committed. There we go. And then as soon as you've like mentally committed to it and then saying it out loud, you kind of have to do it then. So. Yeah. So what was the time gap between that day you decided to do it and when you did How long did you have to train for it? Oh, I, I came up with the idea in like early the year, like March time this year. Okay. So I said to someone in March, like, this is, uh, this is the idea I've got. This is what I'm going to do. And then um, I started my block. Because I had another race in America um like a 50 mile mountain race in upstate new york in cool. may this year so it was uh, during once i got back from that i said to my coach like right this one needs to do this is the distance this is the do it 11 lines 11 days how we how like you tell me what to do i'm just gonna do it like, yeah. I'm not, and i'm not here to ask questions i trust my coach um i've got a strength condition coach and a, and a run coach who both specialize in like these sort of like not say challenges, but like they, they've got a lot of clientele who have done some pretty incredible challenges like Transcon, mm. Johnny Grosslands and like they've got people they've they've trained through these processes and have done them very successfully. So I was like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um and so I just said, write the plan. Whatever the plan is, I'm just gonna do the plan. Did you know at the time which order you'd be doing the lines in? So how what distance you'd be doing back to back? I left up to my coaches to kind of help me plan that. So mm. to be like what's what would be the most appropriate way of doing it because the distance there's no so the average distance if you took all the lines together an average out of them days would be about 57k i think mm. but there's no tube line or there, sorry there's one the jubilee line is 57k the rest of them are massively under or massively over so i was like okay how, how are we gonna do this so they were like let's do high day low day high day low day so on the high days i'm a bit more rested and like you know the 80 to 90k days they would basically up the entire day and on the short days in my head it's like oh, i was only like 35k today <laughs> but when you've run for 16 hours a day before 35k is like a long way to do oh and you actually felt and your body's so stiff those days so like, obviously you then get like a bit more of a break in the evening afterwards do some like recovery work but it was those days were actually awful because in my head i'm like it's only 35 which is still a quite a big distance for a lot of people but I was so stiff and like, trying to get through those days. Well, actually, I found the shorter days the hardest. Mentally, how did you get through those days that felt so tough and your legs just felt like running through treacle from mile one? I wish if I just, I, my thing is just as long as you're moving forward, you'll make it. Doesn't mm. matter how fast you're going, just movement is going to get you there. The second you stop, 
the 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 finish line for that day is becoming further away because it's going to take longer to get there. So my mind mentally was like, as long as you're moving, you'll you'll finish. You'll get you'll finish today in a reasonable time. Just have to keep moving, no matter how, even if it's really slow, you will actually get to it. The any time wasted stopping was just like, and like I appreciate I'm not the fastest guy on two feet, so I was like, I'm not going to waste any time stopping. So every time I had to, every hour or so we'd take some more food on or fuel and whatnot. And I was like, I would just do that for three minutes, start the timer and walk for those three minutes, just take it on. And then we get moving again. So it was just a case of like stopping any stoppages. Yeah. So the only times we'd stop is change your shoes every four or five hours just to like maybe change up positioning. And just when they get, they just get sore. Maybe we put like a heel lift in just to change the angle a bit, just to take a bit of pressure mm-hmm. off the feet. That was it. That was, or well, sometimes it was, it was like a pit crew. Like my, um, my physio agent was with me the whole time. He would have like a second pair of shoes ready, pop the lifts in, pop me up, right, shoes off, shoes on, tie to tie, off you go. And just cut down any wasted time. Um, That's that- so cool. So who else did you have alongside with you the whole way? Because I know with multi-stage ultras, you generally have like a crew that goes yeah. along with you. So what did your setup look like alongside so physio? Adrian um, from The Running Room, um, who was my physio, who was with me the entire way around, wow. like looking after me constantly um, and just... Yeah, legend. Uh, my <laughs> videographer and editor, Mike, who, again, when I told him about the project, he was like, yeah, yeah it sounds good. And then we realized, like, the extent, he was with me the entire time. So as long as I'm out there, he's out there. And he was like, he had, I think it was like 600 pounds worth of line bike fees at the end of the 11 days. <laughs> because it's just like, he would he would jump on and off shoes, but he also wanted to get a lot of shots of me going. And yeah. it was just, it was uh, great. And then we'd have Tommy Trees, my run coach. Um, he was with us on most of the big days. And then Harvey Lawton, my strength conditioning coach, would be with me on the other days. Then my friend David Burtwistle, my other friend Joe Bass, they would join me on the, fill in on the days we need to like get it. And so we always had one of the lads on the bike navigating. So we rented a bike from Brompton because um, uh, on the tube, because we had to bring on the bikes on the tube quite a lot. You can only bring fold-up bikes. Yeah, yeah. So we had. I was like, we have to have a fold-up so bike. So many logistics. Don't, don't. This is bringing back like the two weeks beforehand trying to work this stuff out. Yeah. So um, someone they're they're navigating. Make sure we are going the right way. They've got the Strava route. I've I've got sent it to them. They're looking at that, making sure we go the right way, and make sure like you know I'm just sitting I'm just sitting on their wheel basically. Adrian and Mike would be with us a lot of the time. Again, if, they, if we're in Central, they've been a line bike. If not, they'd be on the tube or some days in a car, and then. That's it. That's that's the crew. And then we'd also have like, depending on what day it was, anywhere from twenty to a hundred people running with us. Ah, oh, so that, that was, must have helped. It, it definitely did. It was nice. The support was wonderful because we had the we had a tracker on. I had a tracking device on me the whole time, mm. and the routes all are publicly available, so anyone could find out where we were at any given time, um, and just find us and join in. Um, and it was great. When I felt great, it was it was great to have one in there. When I was feeling really like low or towards the end of a big day and then you someone who's really fresh comes and joins you and starts chatting it's a bit like it can be a challenge but i always said with these with a challenge it's it's not just a physical challenge it's a mental challenge it challenges all the aspects of you it's a challenge of your patience it's a challenge of all these different things because like you know who are you when you're you know 14 hours into a run you feel like shit. you had two hours sleep the night before your stomach's gone all this stuff and someone's like a complete different energy level to you and it may piss you off a little bit but are you still a good person are you still a nice person then like you know it's a real test of your character in those situations there like oh who you really like when you're tested and so for me the whole time i was thinking everything everything about this is a is a test everything about this is a challenge all right let's see let's see what you're about let's see who really comes out of this i was really happy that i was like able to go into that state so even when i was 
in absolute bits trying to like I was trying to have any sort of conversation people were talking like how are the legs it's like the 71st asking that question like, <laughs> and it's like obviously not good. <laughs> it's there for the first time running with me the first time seeing me go so I was like you know I'm not going to be like that's a silly question like nah it's, it's their first time first time chatting with so I was like they've come out to support me who, who, the, who the fuck do I think I am if I'm just going to be like dismissive I was like yo what's good legs they're still attached like and it was it was lovely and actually some of the best conversation the best people I met was when I was deep in it like end of the met line out towards like Buckinghamshire that was that was an absolute stinker of a day and that was really like I just get like 80k in I'm in bits it's already we've gone from sunrise down to sunset and we're still going and I'm cooked at this point getting towards the last few stations really hilly around there too I was trying to crack on and some of the chats I done with people I was like absolute mood lifter because I was like, oh, when this little stage, where I was like, oh my, and I head, you know, when you're running with your head down, when you're tired, all this sort of stuff. It's mm. basically like living in my own misery for a little bit, just like absorbing it in. And some guy comes up and he was like, he had, his energy was up here. And part of me was like, oh no. And he just jumps <laughs> right in there, chatting away. And the first thing he says to me, he goes, I was chatting with my mates. And we reckon you'd be great class on a night out. I was like, yeah, I would be actually. Yeah, you know what? You got me. <laughs> I would be great value a night out. And um, just from that, my mood was lifted. If you want to up your running game with a runner coaching plan, you can get two weeks free with the code five miles. That's the number five, the word miles, on the Runner Coaching app. It takes one little thing to snap you out of a negative mindset. Yes. It's actually something we talk about on this podcast a lot of like how to get through, you know, end of tough moments in races, sessions. Mm-hmm. And I always say smiling is I force myself to smile yeah. for like three seconds. And it's so powerful. And you know, like just making yourself say you feel good. It does really, it can really shift how you feel. 100%. Just by, you know, just by saying it out loud. It's so powerful, isn't it? It is because I was, I heard something the other day talking about, it was about faking bravery is still bravery or faking an emotion mm. is technically still emotion or faking confidence is confidence. Yeah. And actually you can say it's probably the same thing, like faking, like, self-humor is still humor like you could you yeah. there is an element of with emotion you could your body your, your mind so easily trick trick itself into these things um and i always think that so you know as long as you can smile and have a laugh with it even though it's how bad it gets force yourself to smile it just releases these sort of this 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 state of mind it's like oh you know we're, we're, we're still good as long as we can still smile yeah still all right you're definitely gonna feel better than if your head's down and you're thinking about how miserable you are because <laughs> it's, it's so easy to live in that sad state or the miserable state or the bit sorry for yourself state and, um, you know, they're almost like a bit of self-sympathy state, like, yeah. you know, woe is me. But then you realise, like, you know, we all go through these places. We'll get to them when we're training yeah. or we're doing these things. And it's so much easier just to go, you know what? Let's have a little smile with ourselves. We're all right. We're here. Yeah. And doing... you're doing something really cool. Yeah. There's that. And it's also remembering that at the same time. It's like, it's a privilege to do this sort of stuff, you know. It's a special yeah. thing to do. It's not, no one's forced anyone to, any of us to do it. You know, we get to do this of our own free will. All right, it's not that bad. Yeah, it was your choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your idea. Um, where did you sleep every night? At home. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that I thought was... you'd be in hotels or something. No, I've seen the price of London hotels these days. <laughs> 11 days. Well. Um, no, so yeah, I live in southwest London. So yeah. just, it was, some days was that was easier said than done. So like the end of day five, Piccadilly line, start at Heathrow, finish at Cockfosters, North London. I had to get the tube home after that. Yeah. Oh, that so must funny. have killed you. It'd be like, I could have run quicker. Honestly, so from Cockfoss is right at the end of the line, all the way down to, was it down to King's Cross, Victoria, then Northern Line back to Ballum. Mm. Um, that was, and it was, it was, it was on a, it was heaving that evening as well. I was standing up on the tube. Bear in mind, I've been running since 5am. We got to Cockfoss's 
7.30 p.m., 87K ran. And then there was we've got food straight away opposite the station in Cockfosters and they had to get on the tube. And I... I think you earned yourself the disabled seat, to be honest. Honestly, you know what it was? It was quite funny because I was with Mike, videographer, and we were both just like standing there. I was in a vest. I must have stank. I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> I'd been, I had, I had a shout at 4 a.m. that day. It's now so late in the day. I'm just there in a vest looking awful. And we just look at each other, like start laughing, being like, this is actually quite a hysterical situation. <laughs> and we just ran the entire Piccadilly line. And now we're having to take the tube home and there's nowhere to sit. Oh, yeah. And just green in there. It wasn't until towards we got towards the last change onto Northern line finally saw a seat and then, then people started like recognize because there's like less people on the chain you're like going oh you're the guy running the lines like yeah they're like what are you doing on the chairs like going home like we've just done the picketing line and Cheating. next tomorrow this <laughs> um and that was gone that was the momentum built through the challenge as well with people sort of like especially when we're getting on the on and off the tubes i remember day mm-hmm. one there was like tfl staff at uh camden station with the northern line first day and we had like the fold up bike with us and that's you're supposed to fold it up as you before you get down the escalators and like the station master's giving us like just like what are you guys doing like my, my guy's got obviously a proper camera with him and he's like what are you filming for doing all this sort of stuff then just really aggressive and like i always call it the enemy of the day but we always need you always need like an enemy for the day just to like have someone like in your head you're kind of going against just being like fuck that person like we're gonna like and just someone to g you up a little bit and the first few days every day there was an enemy of the day could be a cyclist who would just like scream at me for being in a cycle lane whatever it was. And I was like, nah, here we go. Like, just someone just be like, all right, fuck this person. Like, let's yeah. just, let's just go. Guaranteed in London. Guaranteed Someone's going to be angry. Problem was after like day five or six, when uh, the event had a lot of good traction, there's lots of people, a lot of eyes on it there. We you know the first few days, people would honk horns to be like, what are you guys doing? Like, like you know, taking up space in the road, whatever it was. Towards the end of it, it was like really nice. Bim, 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 bim. People were like, Johnny, or this. I'm like, I'm like, can someone just have a go at us? Like, can we, can someone like be the enemy of the day? And, um, <laughs> and that huge support that you had must have come from the huge like social media following you have as well. And mm. it was all documented every day, Instagram, TikTok. Does that give you an extra pressure that you knew that it was being so publicly shown to everyone? Or did that kind of help that hold you accountable in a way? Good question. I think it, there, there's pros and cons to it. Mm. Um, so the pros being obviously helps with support, it helps with the main goal fundraising. Um, so we had over things like 1300 separate donations come in for the money we raised for calm the campaign against live miserably um which is great and again to get to raise the money you want to raise to charities you have to do things in a public manner you know unfortunately in this day and age the the best way of doing that is through social media because again from a from a cost basis however the biggest challenge with it was i wanted to make sure that the videos captured the emotion and the feelings in the day and that's all that's easier said than done it's easy done with social media it's a case of like showing the highlights yeah. We're like, I don't think people are that interested in seeing the highlights of this, you know, like smashing the day. It's like, okay, let's just film like a bit of the highlights, but like what, you know, how, what's going wrong in that day? Like what's the jeopardy of the day? What's the struggles of the day? People are much more interested in seeing that because you're then showing them how you overcome those challenges and people can take something from that. I usually, I make my, most of my, pretty much all my own content I make anyway and I edit everything myself. Mike, who, my videographer, I had to basically sit with him in the evenings. He'd basically, he knew the brief each day. He knew kind of what to get. And whilst we were running, he talked to me and being like, I think I've got this for today, like this this going on here, like any other problem. Then he just talked to me for a bit, pulled the camera out, see, see what the messaging was for the day, where my emotional state was. And I said to him, no matter how bad I feel, like you pull that camera out. And if I tell you to put it away, just turn the fuck off and just keep filming. And Because again, that's a part that is going to live on. That's a part that I can always look back on whenever I'm feeling a bit, whenever I'm like a bit down about anything, I just pull up some of those videos and be like, 
Yes, that was a good. Remember day, how yeah. much fun you had. Yeah. But what were what were some of the biggest challenges you faced, either physical or mental? Um. Sleep, lack of sleep was a big one. So, mm. four days out from the start of the challenge, news came through that the we had that heat wave. So September, mm. all of a sudden, it's gone from high teens to forecast was like 34 degrees on the first day of the challenge. And they're like, I chose mid-September because it's still got long days, but typically not as warm as August. August was terrible this year. And then I was like, this is actually like, this is because a few weeks before the challenge, I was at my cousin's wedding in France. I remember running there and it was still 34 degrees. I was like, this is fucking hot. And the next thing I was like, no, that's day one, Northern Line, 76K. Right. Through London as well, the traffic is just even hotter. Traffic. And Northern Line follows big roads the whole way down. So it's like the air quality was terrible. Yeah. It was stagnant air as well. It was just a, the first day was so a real, oppressive. that first day was like, welcome to the challenge. Like that was the biggest kick in. That was like reality check. We started at um, just before sunrise. We, we, that's what we started doing. We pulled the days earlier. Like, right, let's not be out there as long as we need. Let's start at like 4.30. Like, let's just start and get as much time banked or distance banked in early as possible. And then we have to think, like, account for like cooling strategies. And my, then my nutrition was like, you need to increase your carb amounts because you're burning more in the heat. Like, you need to have, it, have a change of things. So we have to change strategy. Then we have to you know, constantly have ice cold water, throwing on the body, throwing on the head. Like, cool, like staying cool for me is the hardest thing with running, being a bit bigger. I find it really tough. Anytime I'm doing anything above... 10 degrees it really starts to affect performance and i did seville marathon the start of this year and you know my pacing just dropped off a cliff as it started to get hotter um and again like you know salt intakes all these things we were really you know we did some testing before the challenge just look at sort of what my sweat um makeup was of different uh electrolytes and to see how salty it was turns out very salty sweater so we have a constant flow of all these different things just to work out what works well then on some days we take too much electrolytes and then the stomach's in bits so it's like it's a really hard to find that balance um mm. then lack and of sleep what do you eat oh i'm good they say i like to think i'm, I'm the reason why i can do this stuff is because i'm i've got a bit of an iron stomach so i could uh, anything like i'm even good even in the heat oh i love honestly we'd chuck anything down so we'd have we'd have, we'd have come up with some because they call them out running an ultra through london is whatever you want to go get you can go get it like there's no issues like <laughs> yeah. it's not like you know before you know you're dealing with like I was in America the year to run the ultras like PB and J sandwiches at every aid station or like mm. whatever people have like brought on a cooler. This one is like whatever you want to go and get. Like the crew would just go ahead and get it. So I'd always start each day with eight crumpets of jam just for breakfast. It's like smash down like two thousand calories worth of crumpets. I was like, this is like this. Is a, I, feel like, I feel like a child right now getting in because um, we have between eight and ten thousand calories per day intake, um, which I just I didn't no problem at all there. Just throwing it back. I actually did, this is another weird thing, like a lot of people would like to, on ultras, love to actually eat like physical food because after a while, gels can kind of twist the stomach a bit. Mm. Love a gel, go on gels all day long. So some of the days, <laughs> I got those um, uh, precision hydration 90 gram of carb gels. I just, every half an hour, have one of them. And I do that on some of the big days as well. I was like, I don't really feel like eating food food, so I'm just going to live on gels the entire day. Loved it. I think you're the first person I've ever heard who's liked to gel. Yeah. Well, for me, it was just like, it's the perfect blend what I need. Yeah. And for some reason, my stomach can still hold on to just gels. And like, it wasn't passing through. I, was, I just felt great on them. And it was just an easy thing to eat. As long as I was doing t- tailwind in the bottle, so carb and electrolyte powder, not really cold or scratch labs, really cold tailwind or scratch, screw that down, smash the gels down. I Or I could make the old Rice crispy Square. And I was like, this is this is fantastic. So we just had the alarms going. The watch was like, boom, okay, this on here. And just being very discipline with it whether or not i mm. wanted to have something it's like you're having something now yeah and we just put that through and then it was a case of 
working a house feeling? Is it an electrolyte thing? Is this a cooling thing? Maybe some water, maybe it's more carbs. And every now and then we want to maybe get like something a bit more proper in the stomach. So like chip shop chips, perfect. <laughs> really salty chip shop chips and ketchup worked well. Or um, McDonald's chips. We were like four large chips, chuck them in a bag, load of salt, ketchup, and then like three or four like large Cokes from McDonald's. And they were just like, it tastes so different when you're that hot and that thirsty. It doesn't even, it t- it, I can't describe what it tastes. Like. I remember someone, someone had ran ahead to a pub and got me like a pub Coke. Now <laughs> they taste so much better from like that. Yeah, yeah. I had this and I was like, didn't know this is this is this is like this is like nectar from the gods. So this is this is something beautiful. As it is like wow, and it just brings it back to life. It's cold. It's got a little bit of salt in there. Sugars. It just just kind of hits perfectly. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, this is this is fantastic. So for me, that was never really an issue. Then I'd get home and then because Adrian, my physio, would go, go head to mine as well. Mike's in the editing, and we just debrief the day. He Adrian would go through my body, looked feeling things out, any work he's doing. Um, check out the toes, check out the feet. Only issue I had was one one of the days we changed to, I had a slight pronation issue in my right foot. So we changed to a more stable shoe. Um, There's a little, the toe box, I had an older edition, but they, they narrowed the toe box slightly on a new edition and it just caused it to push in. So then I had a real a, a blister on one of my, out my oh. pinkies. I already really, really get blisters when I run, but this just, just and rubbed. heat as well. And then it was like, okay, okay, we need to keep this clean, make sure it doesn't get infected. And while that's healing, we're going to change our techniques. So we then change to like a um, more of a rocker shoe to have, have a slight heel strike. Because any time I land four foot, it was so painful. So then we changed to something that's going to change how we how we land a little bit. And just change, just constantly change things up. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing the support that you had from your team. I mean, mm. like, all I think the success of all of this comes down to the amount of preparation you put into it. So not just the training, but like you say, like, working out how many calories you needed, how oh, yeah. often you needed to eat at the right shoes, how often you were changing your shoes. Like all of this was feeding into everything. it going well. Oh, absolutely everything. So like before, um, for the months leading up to it, I was doing once a week, me and Adrian would get together. I'd go run like a 30K. So mm. then I'm on tired legs, go to see him. We didn't do a gait analysis when I'm tired. And let's mm. then do a gait analysis of different shoes, different paces, different cadences. Let's see where the pressure is going to be so then we then we could work through the shoe rotation for the challenge go right what shoes do i get on best with where my legs are tired at this pace at this cadence okay let's look at the landing pressures on my t- where are my feet are we feeling finding the most pressure and then he'd go right i'm gonna then he'd start customizing little like insoles or like little pressure pads around the foot he goes what we can do is he goes after four hours of this one we should change to this insole then to this 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 so he just go right come in Pit change, change your shoes out we go again i'm like yeah feel great <laughs> so like that was a big thing because again like I think those issues or any any time there's an issue starts arising, if it's not dealt with straight away, when you're out there for that long, it can grow and grow and grow. Mm. And with all that prep and of course the huge challenge itself, how did you feel afterwards? What was the day after look like? We spoke about, you know, the the blues after yeah. a big event. I can only imagine with that huge build up what it, it must have been like. It was, you know, I was a lot of people kept saying this to me, like, oh, you know. God, you, you, this has been everything you've done, done the last five months. How must I feel it was over? And I was like, it didn't feel like, you know, you get post-race blues. It mm. didn't feel that at all because it was like, the objective was done, which was run the tube, cool. The important factors was who got to benefit from the event, who got to come out and join in, who got to be a part of it, who got to make it, who got to take something from that and it be important to them and the money we raised, all that sort of stuff. That was what I wanted to do it for. To be able to say I've done like it doesn't, you know, saying you ran the tube. Cool, cool. Yeah, so it's a unique thing, but like yeah. that doesn't really do it for me. It's like who's been inspired by it? Who's now 
you know, to, to seeing what happened, what we did or joined in or any of those, many of those amazing people I met during the challenge who've now gone like, okay, I want to go do something or I want to use that attitude and take it somewhere in life. That was the important factor is having an impact and making a difference with that. Because I felt we got that. I was like, we actually did that. That is, it was, that was worth so much more to me than being like, I've just done this. Cause that's just yeah. uh, okay, cool. We're like, People who challenge all the time, like I'm not gonna sit around and be like I'm super, super special for doing that. It's like no, no, no. It's like the impact is what matters, and mm. that was for me so important. Um, so afterwards, I was like, cool, because as I look at it from another spec, maybe what if you know people didn't get behind it? What if you know it was the content didn't work? What if all these things? What if no one really turned up to? It? What if we didn't hit a donation target? All these things there. And imagine finishing that with a couple people around me, like okay, cool, like well done, something. Sort of like, <laughs> then I'd be like. Then I would have post-race blues. So I'm like, well, I did it, but I didn't feel the way I thought it would. Doing it this way in, in the public eye, yes, has its risks because you're also publicly having to sort of expose yourself to a way of like opening yourself up to criticism, opening yourself up to anyone and their opinion. And everyone's got an opinion on things. You know, no matter who it is, what it is, you know, being on the internet, you are going to have people constantly be like, "What? that's wrong. This is wrong. Shouldn't be doing this. Shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't be doing this. Like, there's a, you have a constant bombardment of people's opinions and you have to just ignore, mm. completely fucking ignore, listen to the team, listen to everyone, listen to those who've done that before, been in that world before, and that's it. Um, so it does mean I'm quite like good at not drowning that sort of noise out, but it's still, you're aware it's there. And you're also aware that there are people out there who are probably thinking, oh, I can't wait to see him like fail. Yeah. There are people like that. As much as there are great people out there in the world, there are people like that. And there was people, the, I'd see random comments being like, you know, Oh, I wonder what day he's going to fail on or pull out on this sort of stuff it's like thanks for that like I'm midway through getting my song yeah. like oh yeah cheers mate like but the internet's a cruel world isn't it and social media and people kind of forget that there's a person behind it 100%. how do you deal with that you just do like I mean I think I'm very the people I take advice from I'm very careful of it also means the people I take criticism from is a handful of people and I'm not mm. too fast I mean I remember during the build up there was three people who would everything I'd post would be messing with the back of it being like, your training is completely wrong. Or like nonstop and paragraphs and paragraphs. And they're like, I've been doing this for this many years. All the, explain all this sort of stuff there. And I'm like, I'm not like, like stop it. Like I don't appreciate, I appreciate you giving the attention to this, but like, I'm not, you're not my coach. You haven't done this before. You're not in this world. Like I'm not, I'm not listening to you in that sense there. So it was a case of like understanding that when you do anything public, people are going to have a voice their opinion but realistically, it's like, you know, there's something I heard that Chris Williams say the other day. It's like, most people don't even like themselves. So why should you think, why should you care what they think about you? I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. So really, realistically, it's like, I care about the opinions of those who are in this arena, who are in this space, who know, who've been through this sort of stuff before, because they've got insights into stuff. My mm -hmm. team, my coaches, those close to me. But apart from that, it's like, you just have to, because there's so much information. There's so much advice people want to throw their hat mm. into the ring. People want to give you their advice. We've all got advice for everyone, but it's just knowing which, which to take and which to choose. Otherwise you will get pulled in so many different directions and like you'll be taken, you won't know where to look or where to focus on. Mm. So I think with these sorts of things, I mean, anything, you know, like there's, there's multiple methodologies, to everything. You know, one coach says one thing, another coach says another thing. You should be doing this, you should be doing that. It's like, yeah. they're both not wrong. Yeah. But you've got to pick someone to listen to. You can't listen to everyone's opinion. You can't give everyone the same weight to everyone in the in the space there. So just a case of that, really. Yeah, I think that's very important for a lot of people to hear as well and just be able to block that out. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so after this challenge, you must now want to be get on to the next challenge. What's next for you? Oh, we got something special brewing. <laughs> so um, I wanted to give myself a little bit of time because I've gone from when I first started like proper running through to first from from that first parade training for that 100k last year. I've gone from that to a training block for a marathon, training block for a half marathon, training block for a 50 miler, training block for around the line. It's been about like 15, 16 months of continuous event block, event block mm. without, I'd take a week off afterwards and then we go, right, next block. Like, let's do the foundation work. Let's do two weeks of prep and then we're into a block because I've got this booked in the foresight. So I want to give myself a good two months of like, we're not training for anything now. Next thing, I'm not going to say exactly what it is because we're drawing up like the whole launch prep for it. But I can say it's, one continuous run, 260 kilometers. It's going to take about oh. 40 hours to do. No sleep. No. Oh, man. So it's, <laughs> it's cool in the sense of, I don't think anyone's done it before, but I still need to check in check in to see if anyone, because you know what it's like in the, in this world, there's always someone crazy out there who someone randomly made like 30 <laughs> years ago did it. Um, but it's cool one, finished in London as well. Okay. Starts not too far from London as well. So we do hit... Yeah, it's 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 got it's, it's got a uniqueness to it. But um, multi days are fun. But I wanted to see what it's like to go through like a whole period. So, and again, that's in the twenty fifth of May next year. Okay, that weekend. so training will start pretty soon. Yes, yeah, so I've got seventy k capital. So country to capital ultra January sixth. Um, that's the next thing I've got as like a something to see me over. And then pretty much after that, we start training for this one, which I'm I'm excited about because again, it's. You finish and you're done. Just keep going. And it's the unknown that you like as well. <laughs> it's the unknown, like not having not gone that far. But my my team want me to do like a 24-hour run in prep. I've got the speed project coming up as well in California. Um, so that's like a part of a relay team from uh, LA to Vegas over like a 48-hour period. Oh, cool. So that's, again, playing with sleep deprivation. So it's all, all little tests. Yeah. I've got to do a five-day hike where I just hike for like 14 hours a day and then sleep and then do it again to get like prepared to be on your feet that long. So it's yeah. quite a unique training methodology and it's also quite fun as well. Like it's not just standard training and uh, and distance running, it's there's, a, there's other elements to it. So for me, it's like, again, I'm, there's the big step into the unknown, but like the four or five months of prep into it, I'm like, that looks like so much fun. Like I'm gonna learn so much about all these different things. Being so mentally strong throughout that distance on no sleep mm. is a whole different element. And will, will you be putting all of this on TikTok on oh absolutely media. Yeah, so yeah okay so we can stay tuned and certainly are. follow we're, along we're moving into the um to youtube now as well um just because we've got um a good team we know what our messaging is like and i think as well with some of these events it 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 would be the best place to document it would be in a slightly longer form um just to add a bit more nuance and a bit more um show a bit more to it um so yeah, i'm looking forward to that and again it's a, the events can be great but for me it's like let's let's see this block like i'm already my coaching team are all putting it putting elements together of like yeah. what are we actually going to need to be able to get to this point like i sit in my in my room i have a big whiteboard i've done this for years now and i write out every sunday right out the week what's this this session this session this session and there's something so special about going through the week tick yeah, tick tick ticking it off and that for me i think it's comes as an element of a massive amount of um you know, self-worth and self-value comes from that, you know, self-esteem, sorry, um, comes from being able to say to yourself, hey, I'm planning this out, I'm going to go and do this and tick it off. And it's like, it doesn't feel like, I'm sure you get the same thing. It's like, the decision's already been made. Mm. You're not waking up going, oh, I've got this on my schedule today, but it's like, yeah, you've got to tick the box. On the board. Just put yeah. it on the board, tick it off. That's 
That literally is it. No matter what, and then no matter what is on the board. Like I remember during our testing weeks, just test for the run line. We do test week. We do like a 35k into 15k, 35k, 15k, 35k, 15k. And I'd be on the board. And then also it was like, oh yeah. And after one of these 35Ks that evening, go to the gym, train legs. So your legs are more fatigued the next day. It's like, cool. Right. Sweet. Like, do it. Do it's it. on the board. Let's go and do it. There's something so special that you develop. And, you know, it's not that it's disciplines, whether it's whatever it is, but it's just mm. the feeling you get of accomplishment of going, hey, I've said I'm going to go do something and we're doing it. You've we're achieved doing something it. every single day. Every single day. And yeah. that's it. Well, we cannot wait to follow along. It'll be so exciting to see what you do. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing all about your amazing adventures. And yeah, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for 5 Miles Easy. See you next week.